Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freeman Means Business, Wonder Woman in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and our Wonder Woman in Business podcast gives a voice to the woman who has a story that is meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share their stories, or rather, they share their stories with the world so that in their shining, they give permission to others to shine. Today's guest is Claudia Miller. First, let me say what an honor it is to have you on the show today. We're just delighted to be able to share space with you and hear your amazing story. So let's get right into it, Claudia. Uh, our Senior Director of Advancement is in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, and I'm going to just hand the microphone to her and ask her to tell us a little bit about her story, her journey from where she was to where she is today. Claudia, the mic is yours. Thanks, Natalie. And uh, thank you for having me. I'm uh, super excited to be here and to be able to share a little bit of my story um, in particular, because I think my story is all about stories and telling stories. Uh, sharing stories, writing stories is something that's always really interested uh, me. Um, so I'm going to start, I promise I won't go through the, all the years, but I'm going to start at the beginning. And um, I um, was born in Florida and my mom came to this country from Argentina as uh, she emigrated here in her early 20s to study uh, biochemistry to get her graduate degree and fully intended to go back to Argentina, a country that she loved, where all of her family was, and um, really just came here to go to school and, and, and then for the opportunity and then to go back. She met the only other single guy in the lab at the University of Florida, my dad, who um, quite conversely to my mom has over 400 years of uh, history here in this country, in Pennsylvania Dutch country. Um, it's about 400 years. He's a, he's a big genealogist, so he'll probably kill me if I get it wrong, but it's a, several centuries of um, time in Pennsylvania. And they, um, they're coming together as a family and with me and then my younger sister. Um, it was a really interesting mix, right? Having um, a mom who had never, uh, you know, who was brand new to the United States and a dad who had a long history here. We did a lot of traveling as uh, kids. We visited family. My parents just put me in a backpack and we traveled around South America, visited family, stayed with them. We lived in Europe for a couple of years. As a young teenager, I was able to go to Egypt on a trip with my grandmother. So really traveled quite a bit, which was quite the counterpart to my uh, relatively suburban middle-class New Jersey town where I grew up in. And I think it really opened my eyes and gave me a different perspective of the world, of um, cultures, of food, of what community and family look like in other parts of the world, um, of poverty and wealth and, um, I think I, it just really opened my eyes and um, is something that I've sort of carried with me throughout my life, the sort of love of travel and, um, and really having my eyes wide open to um, what the world could look like and what the world should look like. 
So growing up, I always loved stories. Um, like I said, I loved reading them. I loved writing them. I wanted to be Nancy Drew um, and have all these adventures and, and have her confidence and her independent streak. And um, as I got older, I realized um, in college and then afterwards, as I was sort of making my way towards a career, that storytelling is a way that you can change the world. And I sort of from there wound my way into journalism. And like any good journalist, I started out um, at the bottom writing obituaries and really understanding the power of that story. I had an amazing editor who, who told me that obituaries are the one story that people cut out from the newspaper and save in scrapbooks for, wow. for years and years and years. And it was really important to get the story right and to honor this person um, who had passed. And it really gave me a good foundation, I think, for telling stories. So as the years went on, I had kids. I, was, I did a lot of freelance writing um, for magazines. I had a weekly sports column. I wrote home and gardens, all sorts of stuff. And, um, and then my kids' school asked me if I would write a grant. And uh, they wanted to build an ADA accessible playground. And I knew nothing about writing grants, but they said, well, but you're a writer, you know, surely you can write that. And um, I discovered that I loved writing for a cause, that writing to actually really, uh, well, to raise money so that we could build a playground really fed something in my soul that I didn't even know existed. I, from there, I found myself applying for a job as a grant writer at an amazing organization um, based here in Oakland that worked with foster youth as they were transitioning into adulthood. And I really uh, honed my craft as a grant writer. For many years, I really clung on to the title of I'm a writer. I'm a writer. Yes, I'm a grant writer. I'm a writer. I'm behind the scenes. I will write um, speeches for the executive director. I will put together presentations. But I'm a writer behind the scenes. And um, it took a lot of um, pulling and um, encouraging and pushing from uh, from people around me at the job and from my own uh, friends to realize um, I had sort of fought this title of fundraiser for, right? Like it just didn't feel, it felt like, oh, it's, I don't know if that, that seems like someone really extroverted, really out there fundraising and, and I'm behind the scenes. I'm pretty quiet and reserved and until I get to know people. And I came to realize that fundraising really is about sharing stories and sharing them in a way that uh, donors feel connected to the mission of your organization. They feel uh, connected to you and your role. And uh, you build these relationships that then turn into uh, dollars that come into the organization. And um, it's been incredibly satisfying. So um, that's what I've, that's sort of my journey, I guess, to where I am today, where I'm now consulting with nonprofits all over the Bay Area. And I sort of, uh, I partner with them to uh, tell their stories in a way that reaches a broader audience that helps them uh, strengthen their communities and make a difference. They've been able to grow. They've been able to deepen their services, get better at what they do. And so it's incredibly rewarding. Wow, that is such an interesting 
perspective and a different way to look at storytelling. Um, really, when you, when you break it all down, that is the power of the conversion, right? Of getting the funds and getting the buy-in is really being able to communicate and tell your story. And I was struck that although you were doing that on paper with grants and then prior to that with articles and so forth, you didn't want to tell your story. You, you resisted <laughs> changing your narrative. And, you know, I think that that is something that's very common for women. We get ourselves in a groove and in a very specific, this is how I define myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really glad that you had external, you know, support to look at yourself differently. Um, thank you for sharing that. That's great. Yeah. So in all of this and, and your journey, if you were to look at what you think your greatest professional accomplishment was, and, you know, the, the, the term great is, you know, or let's say proudest, not say great. Let's say proudest professional accomplishment. What would you say that is? I think that's a great question because immediately the example I have is somebody else who did something amazing um, with my support. Um, I think I'm going to start with that one. And I think just there was a over the during my career um, at this organization, First Place for Youth, working with foster youth, I was able to work with a lot of young people to help them share their stories, because that's actually what's most important, right, is is helping young people feel that agency and that power that comes from telling your own story. And um, part of my role was to help prepare young people for speeches uh, at events and things like that. And um, there was one young person in particular who we worked with for several months and he was quite nervous and unsure of himself. And the feeling that I had, um, he gave his speech and it was incredible. People laughed at the right time. People applauded at the right time as they always do. But when you're about to give a speech, you don't know for sure that that's going to happen. And he came bounding off the stage um, and just gave me a big hug and just was like, wow, they really cared about my story. And I think that moment was, you know, heartbreaking in a way. This was a, um, 18, 19 year old young person, um, heartbreaking to realize, you know, that's something I take for granted. Even though I don't like to tell my story. I, I have people around me who care about my story and care about me. And, um, but it was incredibly fulfilling to realize that, um, that my support of this young person helped him really just realize that the world cares about you and the world loves you and you matter all of that. Um, and it was just a really, really just wonderful moment in my career. And I, I think that's great. It really speaks to the power of what you do, which is great. As I reflect and look at, you know, our space and women, you know, this platform is giving voice for women to tell their story so that they can elicit a response or get, get movement from another woman who might hear the story. So important, right, that you've said that understanding that there are people out there who will appreciate what your story is, but many 
aspiring professionals or even quite established professionals still really struggle with telling their story. What, why do you think that they struggle with that? And how would you sort of advise a woman to help another woman with her story? I think, um, well, first of all, absolutely. That's absolutely true. I think it's something um, that I struggle with. There's this feeling um, that a lot of women have, you know, the imposter syndrome. I'm not good enough. I'm not special. Um, I had that feeling about 15 minutes before we met, right? Just um, thinking about, gosh, is, is what I do really that interesting? I think it's a matter of just opening the door, stepping in and taking up that space um, in a way that may not feel comfortable at first, but really owning it. Um, I have been really lucky. Um, I have uh, the former uh, executive director where I worked gave me some really great advice a couple, uh, probably about five, six, seven years ago about developing my own personal board of directors a group of people, they're mostly women, um, who I can call on, who are there to um, lift me up, to encourage me, to kick me in the pants when I need that, um, to shove me up to the front of the room, um, you know, in front of the microphone when I need that, um, when times are good, when times are bad. And having that group of people around you, um, I think makes you feel um, your value in a way and your worth, and um, that's just incredibly rewarding. And I, I, I think that uh, these group of uh, the, these people that I've surrounded myself right have been there for me. And um, I think that's what I would uh, encourage other women to develop your own personal board of directors. Excellent, and and hopefully be as honest with them as you can be, Absolutely. so that you can get the right feedback. Absolutely. So that you know that's positive. Now. I want to ask you about maybe um, a very challenging time or, or an obstacle that you really had to work to overcome, not what we've discussed, but maybe there's something else that you can reflect on that maybe just really uh, brought you to a grinding halt and, and you had to make some maybe not so, as you say, comfortable decisions, um, change. Yeah, change is hard. Um, change is, for me, change is hard. And I think um, my struggle has always been internal and just understanding that I am good enough and I will figure it out and um, kind of get out of my head, right? And I think there have been times in my life where uh, there have been job opportunities where I've thought, oh, I'm not ready for that. I'm not, I'm not, you know, vice president level, uh, or I'm not this level or that kind of thing. And so I've held myself back. And I think there is something incredibly freeing as you get older and you start to let go of some of those, um, or I have been able to let go of some of those uh, thoughts that are really just in my own head. Um, because it's funny, right? People around you are saying, oh, you're totally qualified. You're absolutely ready. Um, and you're just not sure if you believe them. And I think it has to come, um, it has to be this sort of meeting of the minds, right? Between your, your external audience, people who are saying you're ready for this job. And then internally, um, I needed to feel like I was ready. And then just um, 
push myself through that uncomfortable feeling of change and fear and um, trust that it's going to work out. Wow. Yes. You really have to push yourself. Um, and, you know, that's not the easiest thing to do at all. Can you reflect on, Claudia, is there a point of inspiration? Um, I love that you were so well-traveled at a young age and you had so many great experiences to see people, culture, places, and that informed you differently than your, you know, your, your, um, your colleague at school back in New Jersey. But it, was there a time when in that travel and that eye-opening uh, time that you, you know, going back to New Jersey sort of reflected on a, I don't like this, or I wish this would change. And, and maybe mm -hmm. that inspired you to do something differently? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I was aware um, from a young age. So my mom from Argentina and her family lived in Chile when uh, we were growing up. They had left Argentina because there was political stuff happening there. I went to Chile, then a lot of political stuff happened there. And um, so we were aware as Americans when we traveled there um, as US citizens. I remember my mom once saying to me, um, because my sister and I were out on the street, we were walking somewhere and we were laughing and you know, being kids. And my mom said, could you just tone it down a little bit? Like you're being very, loud and big, like, like Americans. And it wasn't a good time in um, that country's relationship with the US to be really um, out there that you were an American citizen, US citizen. And um, I just remember being really struck by this. Um, uh, you know, as a kid growing up in the US, especially like fourth, fifth grade, it's all about US history and you're, you're learning about how wonderful this country is. And, and for me, it was around the time of the bicentennial. So we were really proud of, um, and understanding that the rest of the world didn't see us that way or particular countries didn't see us that way. Um, and that my mom was, um, she wasn't embarrassed, but I think she just wanted us to be aware of our surroundings. Um, seeing people on the street corners, seeing, you know, the military on the street corners with, um, you know, armed rifles, things like that was really um, far, far away from the suburbs of New Jersey. Um, and I think really informed and I think seeing how my, my family there uh, went through those times and uh, made it through those times and uh, really also just sort of influenced me, right? I think in, in terms of the importance of family and, and community and um, yeah, more so than nationalism. Absolutely. Um, I, and that, you know, it's just having that awareness. It, it's, it's an awkward realization sometimes that, wow, um, we are not everything that we, we think we are. Exactly. Um, but I, I, I love the fact that your journey has taken you really to work with youth uh, and others who need someone in their corner and, and to help them to move forward. So tell me ab about your connection to Susan Freeman. As we talk about groups and women and connection, I wanna just understand uh, 
where she comes in on this spectrum of how we even have come to meet each other and, and where we see um, this relationship going. Yeah. Yeah. So I have never met Susan Freeman, um, but she was involved um, or is involved in a program that I'm part of called the Incubator, which is a group of women leaders in Silicon Valley. Um, and it is a cohort program. We've been working together for the last year uh, to really develop everything from um, to really sort of develop a mission statement for ourselves, our personal branding, think about how we are in the world, um, what kind of space we take up and what kind of space we wanna take up. Um, and uh, so it's been a really, it's been an amazing journey. It's been all on Zoom over the last year, but I think that um, it's, a, it's a good group of women that we, um, we're all in different fields or in finance. I'm a nonprofit, um, there's a rocket scientist, um, biotech, uh, tech, obviously. Um, so lots of lots of variety and diversity in the group. And we all have different ways of looking at leadership and thinking about our role um, uh, as mentors and leaders and learners in our community. Wow, I, I, I like to mention that because there's so often um, we don't have direct connections with some of the people who end up crossing our paths. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I think that that's um, something worth mentioning. And yeah. as would, I would ask you about a, a point of um, an inspirational mentor, um, is there a particular person or group of people? Uh, and it doesn't have to be current, but, you know, I, I've had some conversations with people who say, you know, my first grade teacher was, you know, I'll never forget that she said, blah, blah, blah. Now that blah, blah, blah could be positive, but it also could be negative because sometimes we're inspired to prove otherwise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I've had definitely had plenty of teachers who um, I would say were mentors or, or inspirational growing up who really you know knew I had a passion for reading and writing and encouraged me along the way um I think though really more as an adult and in the second half of of my career I think um it's been this group of women who have really just stood around me during uh good times and bad and um just seeing their journeys and hearing their stories has been really inspirational for me and i think um yeah rather than just any one person at this moment it's it's this group of people who um who are there for me speaking of the second half of your career right yes <laughs> going from the obituary writing and i really when you said like that is the 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 one piece of writing that people will hold on to for years. So important to get that backstory right, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And, and it's so sad that sometimes we have to wait until the end to tell the story at the beginning. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. If there was something you could tell your younger self about that, that storytelling and front loading and, you know, what, what would you tell her uh, as a point of advice to, uh, to, to others who may be listening? 
Oh, I would just say, go for it. Let go of the fears and the anxieties and the worries and just put yourself out there. And um, not everybody's going to like you and that's going to be okay. Um, and, you know, uh, be kind to people. And, and most of the times things are going to work out. Um, I think that's what I would tell my younger self. Do you feel like maybe there were some wasted times trying to get everything right? Absolutely. You, I love you said, get out of your head. Yeah. That, I, that head talk is incredibly paralyzing sometimes. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, the, uh, my generation Gen X, right. We, we did a lot of that to ourselves. We were, we sort of followed these, this baby boomer, generation and felt like we could have it all and we should have it all and we must have it all and and I think I'm I'm really inspired by the next generations that are coming after us and their refusal to play the game the way that we we sort of played the game that the baby boomers set up for us and I think these uh younger kids young whippersnappers are saying wait hold on a second hold on hold on you know do we have to do it this way? Does the workday have to be eight hours? Does it have to be five days a week? Do we have to have one leader? Can we have co-leaders? I'm super excited by how they're rethinking work and uh, community and what, I mean, you know, quite frankly, what the world is going to look like in 10, 15, 20 years, right? They're, um, and they're working hard at it. And it's, uh, it's very inspiring to see that. And, you know, I wish that we could find uh, ways like you, you're so receptive to this bridging the generational uh, mind uh, tunnel, right? This, this, this sharing and this being open and not everyone is that open to receiving and sort of being a part of, I don't have to lead it. I just want to be there in it and yeah. be a part of it. So, Absolutely. so interesting. So. Claudia, what excites you right now? What, what are you looking forward to? Uh, what are you excited about? So I think, gosh, um, I'm excited about a lot of things. On a personal level, I'll start there. Um, I'm excited about this next chapter of my life. My kids have uh, graduated from college. They have, um, they're successfully launching. Um, away from the nest. And I have an opportunity for the first time in a long time, my husband and I to really think about, wow, what do we want to do? What, what role is work going to play in my life? And is work going to be the number one thing in my life? Or is life going to be the number one thing and work is the secondary thing, right? There's so many years you spend working and building your career and figuring out what you want to do. And I feel like I'm at a point now where I can think about who am I and, um, and what piece of the pie or how big of a piece of the pie is work going to be. Um, I still need to work um, and I want to work. I enjoy my work, um, but I do have this opportunity to sort of reflect and think about where it fits in with the fun stuff and the family stuff and the physical health, right? Like all the other parts of me that I want to focus on in the coming years. So I'm excited for that. Well, you know, you just redefined retirement-ish, <laughs> right? Because we work, 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 as you said, to 
pay the bills, get the kids, do the right. house, get the car. And then we say, okay, now I need to retire. So I need to make more and more and more money so I can retire. But you're like, I would like to reflect mm. on actually what my experience needs to be now that I'm out of this crunch. Right. And it's not just, you know, going and retiring to a, a you know, a senior village in Florida. Right. It's, Unless you want to, and that's fine. Uh, well, Unless... that's totally fine. <laughs> agree with you. But I love the, what part of my life or how much of my life do I now want to devote to work? And how much do I want to devote to experiencing life? Right, right. I think that is an amazing way to look at what is next for you. Mm -hmm. um, with everything else, you haven't forgotten that what makes us best is when we take care of ourselves and listen to ourselves and create situations for us to thrive um, and not just survive. We're, we're in a survival culture, don't you mm -hmm. think? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, that really deprives us of so much. Um, and I think that's really great that you and your husband can really have this reflective time together. Yeah, Ooh. I think I don't think that I'm going to stop working. And I'm, I can imagine um, my dad uh, consulted until in his 70s. And I, I think I like I have a career where I can see continuing to um, work with and partner with nonprofits, um, if that's what I choose to continue to stay to do. Um, but I think I can do that for a long time. I think I have a lot to offer. And, um, and as long as it excites me and I'm continuing to learn, that's where I'll be. I like your guardrails and your parameters. Like yeah. you like what you do, it excites you. So you wanna continue it, but you're willing to say as long as, mm -hmm. which is good. I think many of us hold on to things and we don't get to the as long as, mm -hmm. um, which we should. So I really uh, definitely applaud you for, for that. Okay, you were waiting for this one. What surprising fact, Claudia, do you want our <laughs> listeners to know about you? <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. Um, the most surprising fact about me is that I've had only one cup of coffee in my whole life. Um, I had to actually drink it for a work assignment. I was a journalist covering a hundred year old cafe here in San Francisco. And the owner insisted I drink the cup of coffee. Um, and I did not like it. I don't like the smell of coffee. I don't <laughs> like coffee ice cream, um, which is very surprising. I live in the San Francisco Bay area and everybody is a coffee nut here. And um, yeah, that's, that's something surprising about me. Well, I think you definitely march to the beat of your own drum. Um, I, I love the fact that you have so many different dimensions to you. You're like a well-woven tapestry with your travel and your youth and your, your commitment to storytelling and helping others to step into their story as you've stepped into your story as well, which is a great, great inspiration. So this was great. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us today and telling your great story. Thank you for the nuggets of wisdom, 
Um, I loved hearing all about your journey uh, from the beginning writer to yes, the fundraiser and <laughs> the woman who makes it happen, building relationships, um, using her network effectively, bringing in her board of directors to keep her um, uh, facing forward and embracing opportunities, not talking yourself out of them. Uh, <laughs> but I love the reflection of, I now need to figure out how I want to balance the rest of my life between how much I devote to work and how much I'm able to embrace and enjoy what life has to offer. Oh, Thank you for being with us. Yes, this was great. Uh, I hope our listeners thoroughly enjoyed. And if they want to reach out to you and get in touch with you, how can they do that, Claudia? Uh, the best way is on uh, LinkedIn. And um, you're going to uh, kill me because I don't even actually know, but it's Claudia Miller 1226 on LinkedIn. All right, they will find Claudia Miller, 1226 on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you today. Lovely. Thank you, Natalie, for the chance to tell my story. <laughs> Have a great day.